Hi there, welcome to Living the Liminal podcast. I am Christy Peck, an intuitive mentor, a spiritual guide, and the author of Coming Home, A Love Story. What if your wildest dreams could come true? There is this beautiful space between what is happening in our physical reality and what we dream and desire. In this space, we can find an uncensored peace, a true joy, and an all-knowing that there is so much more to life. Every week, my guests and I will show up and have conversations around living consciously in this space with courage, connection, and choosing to feel good, even in the uncharted and unknown moments. I am so thrilled you are here, and I look forward to sharing this sacred space with you. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Living the Liminal Show this week. I am Christy Peck, and I have the most amazing guest with me today. I am so eager to just dive right into conversations. Um, she's an author and she comes with a wealth of knowledge and information and just experiences. And you know how I love talking to people about their experience, their stories, their knowledge, their wisdom extracted from those experiences and lived, lived moments. But the one we're talking to today is why I'm so eager is so much of what I was reading and delving into with her um, to prep myself for this interview today, I thought, oh my gosh, we're like soul people here today to have this conversation. So sit back, enjoy. I know you're going to get just amazing stuff out of it. And I am so eager to introduce you to Aura Nadrich is the founder and the president of the Institute for Transformational Thinking and the author of Live True, A Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity, which is an amazing book to read. She is a life coach and a mindfulness teacher that specializes in transformational thinking, self-discovery, and mentoring new teachers as they develop their career. So Aura, thank you so much for being here today. Hi, Christy. Thank you so much for having me. It is such a delight. I just want to delve right in to find out. I'm curious. How did this work find you? Hmm. So it's, it's, it can be a very long answer, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to, I'm not going to (laughs) take you down that, that long path. Um, You know, I do believe that we are, we are guided to be exactly where we are meant to be, you know, and I think of my life story, which again, it's, it's quite a long one, Um, you know, this area, this sort of um, area of mindfulness, you know, I've been on a path, very long path for a very long time, a a psycho-spiritual path is what I'll call it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that a lot of my nature really caught up to my purpose. So I was really probably meant, not probably, I was meant to do the work that I'm doing and it continues. But, you know, um, I've always been somebody who was very curious about the world and mm-hmm. life and what is the meaning of life. I mean, I think I was a probably, even though I was an extroverted child, I also was a very curious child and very contemplative. And I was writing like these serious existential poems at 10, you know? Wow. So I, and I also 
interestingly, being a mindfulness teacher, I remember one of my favorite happy places was to lie in a big open field or park Mm -hmm. and look up at the sky and watch the clouds, you know? And what's interesting about meditation and mindfulness is especially in meditation, one of the things you wanna be mindful of are your thoughts. And I often say when I'm guiding a meditation, our thoughts are like clouds moving across the sky. They don't stay in the same place twice. So it gives you a sense of that our, our thoughts are impermanent. We don't have to be attached to our thoughts, but really just to get to the real core of my journey, it wasn't until I was about 15 years old and Uh, one of my older sisters who I just idolized and she was just a remarkably special person. She had a mental breakdown when I was 15 and it was devastating and it really turned my world upside down and it was traumatic. Mm -hmm. I was the youngest of four. So I was really traumatized by that. And she was never the same again. And her, her journey was really quite, a sad one. And I loved her and was so close to her that it really impacted me. Right. So I wrote my first book years later, I was an actress for 10 years. But I I had a lot of things stirring inside me that were related to that trauma. So as much as I had a very promising career that was growing very quickly, I was having what I call the side effects of a problem that I didn't know I had, I started getting deep anxiety. And I wrote my first book says who And then I started to learn more about the workings of the mind and different modalities and different uh, practices and technologies and philosophies, which got me to mindfulness. And when I discovered mindfulness, I became a certified mindfulness uh, teacher and a mindfulness meditation teacher. Mindfulness really called to me. It really resonated to me Mm -hmm. because it was really about teaching us how to be present. Right. And so I really devoted my work to you know, writing for some of the top magazines and writing Live True about helping people understand how precious time is, having lost my sister. Right. She finally, you know, she had passed away and why being present is so important, which is the basic tenets of mindfulness. Yeah. And I love in, in the book, um, Live True, I love how you, you don't, so many times we think mindfulness is just sitting in the meditation, right? That's where you get mindfulness. And I love how you, you take us out to a more broader vision of that. And you help us see in these little every day, and you use the word moments a lot throughout your book, but these little snippets of our, of our day, which is filled with time and lots of nows and lots of other, you know, interactions with the, the universe, the, the nature, the people, but you help us to see that mindfulness is not just sitting, you know, with your legs crossed in a space and trying very hard to get rid of all the thoughts that just come in naturally. It's about a way of living life in some way. Exactly. Exactly. You just said it, Christy, that is, that is truly the essence and why I felt very inspired to write the book, because, you know, I can, I can really guide anybody through a meditation, somebody who's never meditated before. And I've been a meditator since I was 19 years old. So I've right. meditated forever. What, what was so important to me about mindfulness is that I say that a lot, you know, it's not about just sitting on a yoga mat or a meditation pillow 
for 45 minutes or however long somebody does that, then you get up and you go out in your day. And, you know, the joke amongst meditators or yoga teachers is that a lot of people can meditate and they're feeling all sorts of good things and calm. And then they go into traffic and they're screaming at the driver that's not going fast enough. So, you know, meditation is sort of uh, for a formal practice, like you're sitting down, you're making a date with yourself to sit down and be more mindful. But what happens throughout the rest of the day? That's what I wanted to address, because I felt that was way more important to teach people how to be present when it's most difficult to be present, not when you make a date with yourself to meditate. That's the easier part. Do you know, because you're making a concerted effort to sit down and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to set up, set up this time for myself to meditate. That's all fine and good. And not that these are mutually exclusive, but I know that the greatest work and where it's the most challenging is when we are out in the world, when Mm -hmm. we're interacting with people, when we're talking to people, when we're in situations that we get triggered, when we feel emotional, you know, we're human beings, you know, my one of my favorite quotes is by French philosopher Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. So let's talk about the human experiences that we're having. That's when we need to be mindful the most. Right. Yeah. I I feel like, and you talk a little bit in, in parts of the book about, um, you know, the dark night of the soul and understanding these challenges that come our way like you had with your sister or, or even like what we're experiencing now in, in, in our cultures and in our societies. I mean, we've got a lot of darkness right now. And yes, we do. And I'm glad you said that because we are, I believe we're, we're in a very transformational period with what's going on. We're really being called to shift. And, and I, I feel like every part of your book could really be summed up in how do we build this awareness to what our mind is doing versus what the rest of us is doing in our body? Because when we align these two things, it's so much easier to see truth and to see the lies. It's so true. And again, I'm so glad you're bringing that up. You know, mindfulness is being present in aware in the moment of which you are in. And I I have a new book coming out in November where I talk about the different states of consciousness, the different states of awareness, because mindfulness, it's like, if you think about, um, you're looking through a lens and the wider you, you know, shape that the the more you see, do you know? And the beauty of mindfulness is that you really, the more aware you become, the more you see. Do you know, the more present you become, the more aware you become, the more aware you become, the more you be, the more discerning you get. So you really widen the lens of seeing, you know, Um, there's that other great quote. I think it's Thoreau who said, it's not what you look at that matters. It's what you see. Yeah, it's the way you you know, and that to me really rings true because especially the times that we're in right now, we're in an unprecedented time. We've never been in a time like this Mm -hmm. and there's so much coming at us. We're so bombarded with so much that it's hard to take in the magnitude of everything that we're seeing or told to see or told to believe. And, you know, I really attribute my mindfulness work because it makes you so laser sharp. Right. is that you you really 
have a much greater breath to be able to take in what you're seeing and to be able to discern it very intelligently. Mm-hmm. And we need those skill sets. Again, especially at a time like this, when, you know, someone said to me the other day, I, this, I have never felt more confused. Yes. Do you know, people are expressing confusion. They don't know what to listen to. They don't know what to believe. Mm-hmm. We, we have so much coming at us. We're being bombarded. We're being, our senses feel assaulted. And I do think it's a very important time for us to be that much more aware, awake, discerning, to yes. be able to really, for our own personal edification, that we can see clearly, that I can be able to look at something and go, that makes sense to me, or mm, that doesn't really make sense to me, and be able to understand why. So yeah. if ever there was a time that mindfulness is needed to sharpen our awareness, it's now. I totally agree with you. So I'm curious, how do you help or, or what do you suggest for us to be able to see the difference, to know the difference, to feel the difference between the truth and then the lies or like the illusion, because there are a lot of people out there and they are holding on to what I would interpret as those are just really illusions. That's not really the truth of like who we really are. You know what I mean? Like we're, yes, I, I think that's do very much know what you mean. I very much know people are what, in uh, very good questions, really good questions and, and very, very spot on to what's going on right now. Um, first of all, I think we have to ask ourselves, um, what feels authentic to us? What resonates to us? You know, there are very many different types of people on this planet. And there are many people that uh, just take things at face value and something is said to them, they're like, oh, okay. And then there are people that kind of sit with it for a little bit and go, something doesn't feel resonant to me or doesn't feel authentic to me. I need to explore that more. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's personal. And I think that especially with, with, again, with so much that's going on right now, I think it's incumbent upon everyone to take this time really seriously. Mm -hmm. Do you know, I mean, even at the beginning of the pandemic, I had a podcast last year when it reared its head and I really made a point of letting people know this is much more than just a virus. You know, there's a lot to get out of this time Mm. that we're in right now. For for some people, they're like, oh, let's just get over this already. Let's just get through this already, you know. And I think we clearly, this has gone on for almost two years. So we've had two years where we've been with ourselves. We've been isolated. We've been closed off. We, we, you know, the world had to, you know, isolate in place. We've been in lockdowns. We've been in all sorts of unnatural scenarios. And for people that were just hurrying this along, I think they missed out on a tremendous opportunity Mm -hmm. to not only get to know themselves better, because you have to, suddenly you don't have all the same distractions. You're not able to be out in the world in the way that you're used to being out in the world. Yes, you've got your devices to distract yourself, but it also lent itself to great opportunity to get to know ourselves better, Mm -hmm. you know, that people that maybe maybe are busy all the time. So to answer your question specifically about, I, I suggest 
ask yourself what you're feeling in a moment when something is coming up for you, whether you're watching something or you're listening to something, Mm -hmm. be with how that feels for you. Don't be so quick to just, oh, someone just told me that. Oh, and then it must be true. Um, Oh, I'm supposed to do this. Oh, I guess that must be true. You know, why don't you be with your own truth and maybe be with it for a while and explore it? What's What's all this rushing? What's this need? I mean, I also was very aware that the world was, you know, lots of people were like, I just want to get back to normal. I just Mm -hmm. want everything to get back to normal. Well, I don't really know what that means today because things have changed a lot. Well, it's funny that you say that because I'm one of those bizarre people that when we went into, so I had two at the time we went into the quote lockdown, right? I had two older kids at college two at home. I had a father-in-law who was living with us. So on hospice nurses, caregivers coming and going. And, and so everyone kind of converged into this house, not clearly not enough space for all of us to find our place. So there was a lot of new ways of having to interact. And it, it, you're reminding me of like so much of what we had to learn. And there were some rough rough moments together in here. You can only imagine with that amount of people coming and going in everyone's needs. And at the same time, when it was all over sort of, and we were able now, like now going back, I really miss, I'm one of the weirdos that miss (laughs) that quiet time we had together because we made decisions together. Like, what are we going to have for dinner? Are we going to make something? Or are we going to order out to one of the local places that we really want to support? I felt this huge connection to something so much bigger than what we were in this house of, you know, 10 people. And, and I think that's what you're talking about, that it took that being open and being real with ourselves to, yes, we acknowledged the things we were missing in those moments. Clearly we were missing a lot of stuff. And then we just found ways to like adapt and adjust and, and be the human in, 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 in the moment with those moments. And I think that's really what you mean when you say real magic comes from within, right? So I do. Yeah, I do believe that. I mean, I believe that if we give ourselves the time, and again, this takes us back to mindfulness, to be present, to show up yeah. in our life, you know, whether the times are good or the times are really challenging or we're all locked up in a house together, you got to show up. You got to show up for those moments, no matter what those moments are about. So when I do say real magic comes from within, I do think that when we go deeper within ourselves, we're able to access so much more within Mm -hmm. rather than always relying on or assuming that it's always going to come from outside of ourselves. Uh, Yes. To constantly be looking for some external something to make everything okay for us rather than to rely on our own natural internal resources that a lot of people would rather not go towards. You know, I don't know what makes people so afraid to go within. What do you think you're going to find out about yourself? <laughs> well, the truth, the truth for some. <laughs> the, the truth and that's not so oh my good. God, I'm not, I'm, yeah, I'm so I, I, I prefer being busy than being within my within my with my own company. I, I just I you know what I can't take being with myself for too long. I, I need distraction. You know, it's it's a shame because, you know, 
I feel that getting to know who we are is one of the most important things we can do to find out who we are. I mean, don't you want to find out who you are during good times and not such good times? You get right. to know what you're made of. You get to know mm -hmm. what you're capable of. You're, you get to know that you're somebody, you know, I, I use the metaphor of o the ocean for life. I say life is like an ocean. Sometimes the waters are really choppy and mm -hmm. rageful and tumultuous. And then other times the sea is calm. Right. We need to know who we are in all of those scenarios so that we can navigate this life journey in a way that really gets us connected to who we are in a much more meaningful way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and like, as you're talking, I think it's so important when you talk about go inward because the body doesn't lie. So the body is sending you signals at times that what you're seeing is the illusion and not your, your truth. Right. But we don't always listen to the body. We just kind of like, yeah, fluff that off. And, and I, in the book, you talk about like replacing a, a sensory memory with like the story. And I mean, you know, we have so many thoughts that come. We're like instantaneous storytellers without even knowing we're storytellers. Right. So I think that's a big, important part. So allude, tell us a little bit more about what you mean when you talk about replacing that sensory memory of something that's just toxic or hurtful or painful or challenging. Well, you know, we all have the sense memory. We all have memories of unpleasant things that have happened in our life or wounds and or trauma. I mean, yeah. I think everybody has their own particular um, story, if you will, mm -hmm. to what their life story has been about. For some people, maybe they've had greater degrees of suffering than others, you mm -hmm. know, but whatever we've gone through in our lives without and I say this in that chapter, without making light of anything that's happened to any of us that was hard for us, we don't mm -hmm. want to, we don't want to just bury that and turn that away. We want to acknowledge that the, the pains that we have suffered through, mm -hmm. or the misfortunes or traumas or wounds are real for us. Right. But we also have a choice to make as to how much do we want that to run our life in present time, because you know, what I say in the context of that chapter is that, you know, again, we can, you know, I, I break down three different types of ways mm -hmm. that people tend to be. They're either a present experiencer, right. a future chaser, someone who's always waiting, okay, what's going to happen next? I can't wait for that to happen. I'm, they're always rushing to get to the next moment. Or they're people that I call the uh, past dwellers, mm -hmm. people that are constantly dragging the past into the present. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with reminiscing about the past, and there's nothing wrong with anticipating the future. But if you're somebody who's always digging up things from the past, think about the weight, weightiness of that. Like you're right. constantly carrying the weight of the things that have happened to you that are impacting the present which yeah. means it's really taking away from the joy of the present moment. So that's a really important thing for each of us to do because I've asked so many people and they'll say like, oh, I'm such a future chaser or, oh my God, I can't let go of so many things from my past. And studies have shown, I mean, there was one study out of Harvard that said our mind wanders 
almost 50% of the time. Mm -hmm. Well, well, it's going into either the past or it's going into the future. And where we have the hardest time to stay in is the present. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with the meditation that I offered up, we are the storytellers of our lives. We are writing our life story. Somebody could say to me, yeah, but I didn't write the trauma that happened to me in the past there's many different ways of looking at what our life journey is about, depending on your belief system. And I respect everybody's belief system, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever that is, whatever's part of their core beliefs, my meditation for present time awareness of something that has happened in the past really empowers us in the present to decide what do I want to do with that story? What do I want to do with that trauma? What do I want to do with that misfortune? I'm not the same person. I'm, I'm a different person today. Something Mm -hmm. that happened to me 10 years ago or something early on in childhood, I'm not that child anymore. I don't have to carry the burden of the weight of that trauma so that it still pulls me into a constant state of suffering. I can think of who am I today and how would I rewrite that story if Mm -hmm. I wanted to so that I can feel empowered And just even having that experience in a meditation is empowering to know that you have the right to say, if that were to happen to me today, I can visualize something very different for myself today. Maybe Mm -hmm. I would have spoken up. Maybe I would have run away. Maybe I would have fought for, you know, fought this, this off, you know, but not to lament the fact that you couldn't back then, maybe you couldn't do that at 10 years old, maybe you couldn't do that at a certain time in your life. And there's, it's time to really make peace with the fact that that happened in our past, and our past does not have to live in our present. And that's why I wrote that. And, and you even said this, and I've heard this, we have a choice. We always have a choice in any of these moments. And I know for my own transformation that I've been going through in the last bunch of years, it's been very important for me to go back into those stories because they needed healing and yes. they needed me to put in a different, different emotional energy to it and to really take back control of the fear that I had that I right. was carrying forward. So I, when, when I was rewriting those narratives, I'm really bringing awareness to what was that fear? Where did it come from? What did I think about that? It was almost like I was sort of befriending the fear in a way so that I could take back the power in it and, and put and replace it with a different kind of emotional energy that, that said, Hey, maybe back then I was fearful and maybe I still am a little bit today, but I'm learning. I'm still learning. I'm learning. I'm acquiring new skills. I'm trying new things out. That's the creative process. Exactly right. And I think you, you described that really well. I do feel that when I think of the times that I'm gripped, gripped, Mm -hmm. or I feel, I like that term taken over by an emotion Mm -hmm. that is related to a memory or a um, unhappy memory, or something that happened in my past that was really difficult or Mm -hmm. traumatic, I'm aware that my little girl is really present at Mm -hmm. that time. I can feel, I've done so much of my inner work to know that when my little girl is really rearing her head and she needs some attention, 
-hmm. because maybe that memory is coming up for me. I can interact with my, the aspect of myself, which is the little girl who is holding on to the memory within. And mm -hmm. I, as Aura, the woman that I am today, can process that with present moment awareness. I can process that in present time. Mm -hmm. And it, it creates so much more clarity. And it's not that the, that the fear or the wounds or the hurts should ever be diminished, by the way. We need to right. acknowledge it. But when it rears its head, why mindfulness is so helpful is that we can really be so aware of what's going on within our body. Mm -hmm. If we're suddenly something's off with us or something externally triggers us, for a lot of people, they don't know why. So they become what I call re go in reactive mode mm -hmm. as opposed to observer mode. So that if something's triggering you and you don't even know what it was, someone can say something to you that can trigger you back to something from childhood. Absolutely. And you can feel off and you mm -hmm. can feel the emotion around it. What mindfulness does is it gives you an awareness like, oh, I'm feeling... Oh, I'm feeling some, some sadness or, Oh, I'm feeling some anxiety or I'm feeling some fear or whatever the emotion is. Let me explore that. Be with it, right. spend time with it. And it can literally be that, that something externally triggered that, but that doesn't mean that you have to stay there, right? You can be right. there and you can work with it and process it. And then also be able to dialogue with yourself in a healthy way and say, I'm not that 10 year old girl anymore. Right. I'm not the person I was, you know, in the first day of my freshman year. Right. I'm not the person I was the first time someone bullied me right. in elementary school. I'm not the same person. Although those things happened to me, I have emerged from those experiences. Mm -hmm. I have learned from those experiences and I don't have to be dominated by the memory of those experiences or the feeling states of those experiences. I don't have to stay there. I can let them move through me. I can acknowledge them mindfully mm -hmm. and I can work through it. So it doesn't have to dominate my life today. One of the things I like that you say, and, and you've just kind of alluding to it now, and you, you talked about it in the book is Mindfulness, mindfulness is also acknowledging all the array of emotions that we're having, including pain. And that sometimes there is some suffering. There's a, some intense pain that we can refer to as suffering or, you know, or what I mean, toxic, you know, hard, challenging, tough to get through. But I love how mindfulness just says, it's okay to feel whatever you're feeling talk right. to it, be curious about it, work with it, get to know it better, decide for yourself. Do you want to keep this in your life? Or do you want to let it just flow down the river and you're going to grab onto something else? So my question for you would be, how does one know when they're not present? Like, how do I really know if I'm not present or not? Well, I'll give you some real easy examples. Okay. okay. It would be like you're talking to somebody, but you're also multitasking mm -hmm. or you're talking to somebody and you're really not looking them in the eye and it doesn't really seem like you're fully listening, you know, or you're having lunch with a friend and you're thinking about like, oh, okay. So even though you might be going like this. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Really? 
Oh, that's so wonderful. And your mind is thinking about five other things yeah. other than just being present with this person. It would be like, I'm talking with you. We're having a conversation. We're present with each other, but I'm thinking of what I'm going to have for dinner. I don't really need to go there. Um, why would I jump ahead of myself and not be present with you with total yeah. awareness? So the more we're on to ourselves, the more we catch it, you know, and I always say, catch it just as your mind is about to slip out the back door. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's almost like you're walking back, backwards. <laughs> you know, like someone's talking to you, imagine you're yourself going, out of the room. Yeah, that's great. Okay. I'm kind of here, but I'm not here. The more yeah. you come on to that about yourself, the better, you know, we look in, in, I know that we're going to be distracted. I talk about even something in my book called mindfulness repair. And I've had oh, a lot yeah, of that was also there that really resonate to that because, you know, again, we're human in having our human experiences. So let's just say you're hurrying to get to an appointment and you like say, okay, bye. And you don't really connect with your partner. You're not really connecting right. with your children. And you're like, not really, how long does it take to just say, okay, bye, sweetheart, or, or bye, I'll see you later, right. you know, rather than like not look somebody in the face. Right. And then you're, or you're rude, or you're short, or you're impatient. And then you get on the freeway and you're like, that was kind of rude. I didn't really yeah. have to be that short with my partner. Or I kind of snapped at my kid when I didn't really have to do that. And I talk about mindfulness repair because, first of all, it's, it's good to repair that within ourselves by having the awareness that we did it. That helps right. us. Right. And then sometimes it's really beneficial to go back to someone later on in the day and go, hey, you know what? I'm so sorry. I was so rush this morning that I felt like I really didn't give you my, you know, undivided my attention, yeah. my full attention, and I was distracted. And I'm sorry about that. And, you know, people will be really some, you know, if so much time has passed, I'm like, Oh, don't worry about it. It's fine. But someone else might go, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Because I did feel you were really short. And you yeah. were really distracted. And you really weren't present. And it's something that we all need to be mindful of, because it could happen so many times throughout the day, you could be short with a, a, a person, a, a, you know, someone who's serving you in a restaurant, right, you know, just you could be rude and not right. really look at them and be dismissive, you know, mindfulness really holds us accountable. It does for our, our behaviors, our actions, our deeds, what's going to come out of our mouth, you can't it's... roll those. you can't roll those words back into your mouth once you've said them. No, and it's sort of like, walking around in your life. Like you talk about the word life gazing and I wrote it down. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's sort of like walking around with a mirror in front of you all the time, <laughs> or a little, little dude sitting on your shoulder that says, did you do that? Well, is that how you want to act? Is, was that kind and nice and compassionate? Like you want, I feel like that's what it like. And once you get there, you, you can't really go back. You can't be a different person. You, you can't. And why mindfulness repair? Look, we're human and we're going to have days where we're going to be not in the best mood, but what yeah. mindfulness might, what mindfulness does is it makes us aware of like, what's going on. I'm kind of yeah. off today. What's, what's underneath that, you know, there, there's something percolating beneath the right. surface that I may not know what it's about. And so it helps us so that we don't say something we wish we hadn't, or mm -hmm. we're not dismissive to somebody. We're not, we're not, we're not perfect. And we're not going right. to be perfect all the time. But mindfulness just helps us become 
just more thoughtful human beings. And who doesn't mm-hmm. need more of that? Oh, totally. And your book is filled with so many great affirmations that are so what I call simple to remember so that they stay you. with you. They just stay with you. They're just, they're not complex. Like one of them <laughs> down, this moment is enough. Oh, I just remember feeling that not having those words, but just feeling that in moments like with my family or with a friend, or even on a vacation where I'll just sit and be like, this is really good. Like in this, I know this is really, really good. And, and so talk to us a little bit about how affirmations can really help us get to that. Cause you talk about the mindfulness is like a gateway or a gatekeeper. And then I feel like there's these affirmations and they're kind of like a gateway to mindfulness, aren't they? Totally. Like Absolutely. Yes, they are. And I like that you, you brought up, uh, you know, this is enough. Cause I use that a lot, even in meditation, oh. I've guided people in meditations to find your enoughness, yeah. like where they can find that place inside them. Like, yeah, this is enough. Mm-hmm. This is good. I'm good. I'm good. You know, we, we are so busy, you know, striving for so much, you know, it's just, the way we function in the world, you know, we're busy to get the next this, we're looking for the next that, that we rob ourselves of the moments that we're in by just going, you know, this is, this is really good. It's good. Mm -hmm. And feeling that is sometimes hard for people because a, they might not feel deserving B they might be very mistrustful of that. Like, Oh, I, this is good. Is, is it going to last or is something bad right. going to happen? Or we don't trust our goodness. We don't, we trust don't the trust good it. enough We're, moments. Totally. So, but dropping into it and really acknowledging it and giving ourselves the time and the permission permission to be able to say, I'm good. You know, this is mm-hmm. good. This is enough. Learning your enoughness is really key because it, it, you'll see how it goes into many areas of your life meaning that whatever you're doing in the present moment is enough. That means mm-hmm. that you're really enjoying the conversation that you're having with someone. You're really tasting your food. You're enjoying your food rather than rushing through eating, which is called mindful eating, you know, or you are allowing yourself to really be happy in a moment and not, you know, fast forwarding to the future of like, Oh, you know, is this going to last? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, in my first book, I had my first book says who, which is a cognitive cognitive method that I created for transforming negative and fear-based thoughts. Mm -hmm. I have a chapter called the something to worry about thoughts because our Mm -hmm. mind tends to default a lot to worrying and it's just, we all do it to varying degrees. So I, I had a, I was a life coach for 10 years and I had a client that I, she was a constant worrier and that Mm -hmm. chapter just was so transformative for her. And she once said to me, you know, I, I found myself having two hours of like enoughness. And then all of a sudden I went, what's wrong? I haven't worried. <laughs> we in, I, I haven't worried in two hours. There must be something wrong. Yes. You know, we, we have these habits that become a way of familiarity for us mm-hmm. that I'm used to worrying. So if you suddenly work on maybe being present in the moment and connecting to that, this moment is enough and I don't need to worry. 
you're, you're literally changing neuroscientifically your brain, you know, the brain neuroplasticity means that our, we can forever continue the changing the way in which our brain functions and the way our thoughts impact the brain so that we don't default to old patterns of thinking. We actually are creating new neural pathways that we can, instead of, Oh, I'm so used to being a worrier we can start to default to, I don't have to worry. I don't, I'm good. This is enough. This is training the mind. It's disciplining the mind, you know, just like you would exercise and strengthen a muscle. You're really strengthening your mind and using it in ways that are more mindful. Do you know? Yeah. And, and I like that we're even talking about like that feeling good enough because in the book, which I like literally highlighted mega was you talk about being whole versus being like broken. And that part of getting to this mindfulness, expansive, abundant place within us so that we see the world through those, that lens is understanding we're already whole. We're not broken. I know that's a huge, I mean, like that just resonates with me for the, where we are in our society right now. And in our reality is feeling whole amidst things that appear to not be working or broken or damaged in some way. Yeah. There, that's, that's, that's a huge a great, shift. That's a great point, Christy. And that, that says a lot. Yeah. Because we have to understand that we come into the world as these really perfect whole spirits, you know, we we come in this way and through all these different life experiences, it starts to chip away Mm -hmm. at our wholeness. And if we don't protect ourselves, and by the way, you can turn that around at any given time in your life, right? you know, um, is that again, it goes back to the word enough, you know, I am whole, I Mm -hmm. am enough. That is who I am today. And talk about you know, affirmations and positive things that we can tell ourselves today. I am enough. I am whole. I am, you know, good enough, whatever it is you want to tell yourself so that you really are very armored. If you will, you're very protected by advocating for yourself in the best way possible, because if we're not advocating for ourselves and we're waiting again for external things to validate us, We're going to be really at the effect of other people telling us who we are. And, you know, that's so much about the authentic self because live true, a mindfulness guide to authenticity. Authenticity. It really is about that. It's about being present enough to know who you really are so that you can really feel the authentic self within you and that you can Mm -hmm. present that out into the world that you're not doubting that about yourself. You know, we, we, we really need to be mindful about all the things that are undermining our authentic wisdom about who we are. Do you know, we really need yeah. to, I feel reclaim, you yeah. know, you start to give pieces of yourself away along yeah. you know, during the day and start giving up your autonomy and agency and sovereignty of who mm-hmm. you are. You're going to doubt your wholeness. You're going to doubt your authenticity. And I think so often we are, we are not curious enough about the things happening in our reality so that we get to a better peaceful place within ourselves to actually reveal what needs to be revealed about who we really are. I mean, there's like this, I always use the 
uh, metaphor of like a dance. There's just this dance. And at some time, if you think about dancing with someone, yeah, you're going to step on each other's toes or it's not going to go right. Or someone's going to forget the moves, but the flow of the dance comes when each person is aware of their, their own self. And then they're aware of the other self, the other person, and you've created this newness together. Right. Well, that again is really what the essence of mindfulness is. Mindfulness is being in the present moment with total awareness, Mm -hmm. not only of oneself, but of others, the environment, the world, you know, you become much more aware. And I don't mean aware in a me centric way. We become aware of who we are, who's Mm -hmm. showing up in this moment. Who is the person that's showing up in this moment? You know, what am I bringing to the table here? Do you know? Well, and even asking, is this who I want to be? Is this who I feel good about being? So I might show up, but is this really who I am meant to be in these moments? Or is there more to me that I'm not showing up into the world with? Well, very good questions. You know, over during the pandemic, I created a journal, which is an addition to the book, Live True. It's Mm -hmm. the Live True Daily Journal and takes you through eight weeks of really asking yourself those questions. Yeah, It's really lovely for, for those that don't know that I did put out a journal just during this time. And I did it in an eight week period because it really gives you the time to create new habits of thinking Mm -hmm. and spend time with yourself to ask yourself, who's showing up in this moment? Am I showing up as who I really am? Am I showing up because I got to please this person? Am I showing up as this person? Cause I really want you to like me or love me, or this is what you want me to be, but this isn't really who I am. You know, this is the type of awareness, the type of awareness of the authentic self that we really need to have, you know, that we don't need to be someone that we're not. Now, someone might challenge me and go, well, well, wait a minute, I have to be this in order to get this done. Or if I'm at work, I'm not the same person that I am at home. I'm not talking about that. The subtle nuance of the essence of who you are is present with you no matter what you're doing. Okay. Well, I feel like it's like I might wear a different outfit to go do something, but at the heart of it, it's still the same person. Yeah. And the more you really define that for yourself, uh-huh. the more you don't, you know, shortchange yourself right. or abandon your authentic self, yes. or if for some people throw their authentic self under the bus, mm-hmm. do you know, the more we advocate for who we are, the more we present our authentic self, you know, people notice that in somebody, like when someone's really being real, you use the word illusion a few times in Mm -hmm. the conversation, which is a word that I have, you know, uh, deconstructed many times, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think that's a very important word, illusion, things appearing to be something that they're not, or things that we want to be something that it's not, do you know, and it's illusion, it's, it's Maya, and it's definitely on both sides. It's yes. what's appearing, but not really there. And what you want to be, that's not really there. Exactly. And yeah. I, and I do say in live true, it's a lot harder to be who you're not than to be who you are. There mm-hmm. comes a point where it's just exhausting to have to put on a persona, put on a role, put on an identity, whatever that is. It's like, it's like putting on a, you know, you mentioned outfit. It's like you're having to be in costume all the time. 
you know, yeah. and there just comes a point where you're like, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the core, the, the, the core essence of who you are so that that emanates out from you, no matter again, where you are, who you're with and what you're doing. And to me, that's a really great goal to aspire to because it's quite liberating to live as who you really are rather than to hold yourself back, push things down, dim your light, you know, alter parts of yourself because you know that's going to please again another person. There's just a point where you just, you've got to stop all that. If you really want to live an authentic life, just be authentic. Right. Well, I, I feel like as a collective, we are always searching for belonging. It just seems to be that underlying or that thread that weaves in and out of everything. Right. So I, I get newly married and I want to belong to that, that, that particular so-called organization of newly married people. And and then I have babies and I want to belong to that. And then, you know, you're belonging to a family and to work and to this community and your church maybe. And, and I, I feel like we have forgotten how to belong to ourselves first. Again, a very good thing to bring up because look, I understand there's some tribal tendencies in us. They're yeah. like tribal markers that yeah. we, you know, like, it's like very animalistic. Like yeah. somebody walks into a room and they're dressed in a way that you like to dress or they're wearing their hair a certain way. And you, and think about how we reject each other. If we can't identify with familiarity, how limiting right. is that right. to be able to just say, well, like, oh, this person's different than me. This person dresses different than me. They believe in things that are different than me. They have different color skin than I do. I mean, we live very narrow little lives in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And that, and I understand it's a it's an animal, primal, primitive instinct that we have in the ways in which we've herded together or created community. But I think this time, especially because we are so polarized right now, there's a lot mm-hmm. of polarization going on right now, totally. which I'm very aware of. And I talk about it and I feel that it, 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 in some ways it's very divisive and we have to be very aware of it. Everybody has a right to have their own opinions and their mm-hmm. own beliefs. But when you start to really turn it into something that fuels anger and hatred towards mm-hmm. each other because you have different opinions about something. Wow. We really yeah. need to look at that because I've seen a lot of that since yeah. COVID happened mm-hmm. where people have different thoughts and feelings and opinions about a lot of things. Right. It's pretty, it's pretty loaded. Okay. And we must be careful because if we're not mindful and we're not really aware of what's going on, right. We can be very uh, polarizing to one another. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's a lot of issues around the way people have handled the, the COVID, the choices that they have made around COVID, um, what they think is the right way to handle COVID. Um, it's pretty loaded right now. We've got a lot going on around that. And I would offer up to people to say, look at your judgments, Mm -hmm. look at how you're um, uh, putting people into little boxes because they don't agree with you. I think each and every one of us has to look at our own tolerance or lack thereof. Yeah. And I'm not really 
buying into that whole polarization reality. I think it's not going to help us in any way, shape or form. If anything, we're going to have to bridge the gap so that we can really embrace each other's differences during this time, rather than to contribute to the polarization. Right. Yeah. You're either, I feel like by way of acting, you're either adding to or or just, which is creating more separation and the more separation you're right. There's going to be this huge gap and the fear will be, or the challenge will be, can we get it back to where we can become this collective again, where we are, it's like I said to someone the other day, the pandemic, when we were all, you know, in our homes and couldn't go out, that was probably the most belonging we ever felt to a consciousness that was outside of ourselves, but it was because it was living within ourselves in that moment. And then all of a sudden we started to be able to go outside again. And we sort of lost what was feeling really good to us. Yeah. I mean, I think that when we're in the safe confines of our own homes, our own spaces, even though we might have challenges within that framework of, like you mentioned, family members, we're learning how to get along, even if we are bothering or annoying each other or have difference, again, difference of opinions, you know, Mm -hmm. people have fought a lot during this time with family members and friends. And I just think that at the end of the day, where mindfulness is also really key for me during a challenging time as this is, How present am I in this moment? How present am I in this moment with whoever I'm in the presence with? And that how can we communicate with each other in the most mindful way, even if we don't agree? And what are we really bringing to each other in this mindful dynamic? I think that if we all could really come to that moment where we're interacting that way, we really could get through some really challenging times such as this in a much more conscious way. Yeah. And I feel like the shift in consciousness is that we are becoming, we're being invited to become more conscious, more aware, building more awakenings into our everyday moments to where we see, we hear, we feel, we, we, we choose differently. We choose and we have an opportunity. It's, it's in our power to decide mm-hmm. again, going back to the beginning of the conversation, how do I want to be in this moment? How yeah. present do I want to be in this moment? Who is showing up in this moment as myself? What am I presenting to this other person? Am I really being helpful? Am I really solution oriented? Am I bringing a perspective that I think might help illuminate something for someone else and them to me? You know, I think, again, this is a great opportunity when we're under tremendous um, duress or when we're faced with great challenges, as we have during this time, it really gives us an opportunity to rise up to the greater aspects of ourselves, you know, to really ask ourselves, am I rising up here in this moment to be more mindful, to be more present? You know, this, these are questions we can ask ourselves all the time, especially when times are most difficult. Right. Right. And, and it's, to me, it's always just an invitation. It's an invitation in every moment to make a choice. And the choice is: are you going to be here or are you going to be someplace else? Exactly. And that determines how you act. 
and in, and I use that a lot, even in meditations, I say, invite yourself in, mm-hmm. invite yourself to meet yourself, invite yeah. yourself to allow yourself, invite yourself to give yourself permission. You know, those are, that's a lovely way to present how we not only bring ourselves into a moment in a way that feels just so much more conscious, if you will, and how we invite others into those moments with us. Totally. Tell us about your new book. So my new book, which is going to be coming out um, November 11th is called mindfulness and mysticism. And it's, it's taking mindfulness. Thank you. It's taking mindfulness into a whole new area that I, that I was exploring. So I wanted to share it with my readers and the reason, and it's, it's really understanding different states of consciousness, because as I said, when you enter into the practice of mindfulness, you just become a more aware human being. And when you become more aware, you can access different parts of yourselves in ways that can be pretty extraordinary mysticism, which is a word that I think some people go, Oh, what? Oh, that's so esoteric or, Oh, that's so metaphysical. What does that mean? No, it's not. At least that's not the way I wrote the book. I wrote mysticism as a way to, you know, even in live true, I said, the magic is within mystical moments or the mystical path for a lot of people where people have had mystical experience throughout history, whether they've been Mm -hmm. authors or artists or just normal people doing normal things is because they allow themselves to be open in a moment, which is why I combine mindfulness and mysticism to really experience a divine experience, to have, you know, especially now in the times that we're in because churches and and temples and mosques were closed. So where do people go when they wanna have a holy experience, when they wanna have a sacred experience? And what I'm really bringing the reader is coming on this journey so that you can access parts of yourself to be able to connect to the divine, whatever that means for you. Right. Divine can be God. It can be uh, unity consciousness. It can mm-hmm. be oneness, which a lot of people feel they experience when they're in meditation. I want people to know that we have the ability to access some of the most incredible moments that we can perhaps not define just religiously, but we can define them as this was a sacred moment for me. This was a profound moment for me. Oh, I had this experience when I was looking at the sunset that I felt like I was connecting to something that was almost Mm otherworldly, you know, and that we can experience those moments more than to use your word, but we need to invite ourselves to experience those moments that are quite special and quite luminous, you know? And um, I I feel like I take the reader on this really special journey to come with me on this journey to access those parts of yourself Mm -hmm. so that you can really connect to deeper parts in yourself that feel, you know, what mysticism has been defined, defined as, experiencing feelings of euphoria, feelings of bliss, feelings of ecstasy, you know, a lot of the great mystics through time, you know, had those experiences. And so I didn't want it to be that just only people of a certain type of nature can experience something that we can all experience. We all have the ability to, to have those experiences, whether we know about them or not. And I feel like it, 
even, even as you're talking, I'm just getting this sense that, oh, it's going to, um, invite and, and ask more people to open up to, to, um, accept parts of themselves that they had been not accepting, which gets into the wholeness piece again, and that mindfulness piece again, because when you're whole and you're mindful of your wholeness, you do accept that you are having these moments. You just are blocking them away. Exactly. And one of the things, Christy, I also brought into this book is that people really assume that the only way they can have a high experience or a higher experience is through drugs or chemicals, right. you know, and I really, oh. I really, um, <laughs> I really challenge that, you know, yeah. I mean, if I'm not judging anybody in what they think they need, right. but that we can access these high feelings, whatever that, and this goes back to the neuroscience and the chemicals that are in our brain. We have chemicals in our brain that can match a medicine cabinet. Mm-hmm. We have endorphins and dopamine and serotonin and all these chemicals in our brain that I think one day we're not going to need a lot of those substances because we're going right. to be able to access them in our own brain. Right. And isn't there a phrase like you're one thought away from pure bliss or something like <laughs> along that line, like Absolutely. one thought away from like everything you've ever dreamt of or. Absolutely. I mean, ha- those, uh, listen, a blissful moment can be an aha moment. I say exactly. that literally where you go boing yeah. and you're like, whoa, what was that? <laughs> or, or today, you know, I say downloading, like yes. the ability to download for someone who doesn't like, what does that mean? you know, we are like a computer, we can download. So if you're an open person and open minded, and you're really connected to nature, or you're out taking a walk in nature, or you're watching a sunrise, or a sunset, and you're really at one with that experience, that that feels like a pretty high experience for a lot of people. They can feel very exalted, they can feel a type of bliss. Do you know that we never even thought we could access so readily. So I really wanted the reader to go, what's the mystical experience about? What's that journey about? Well, I take you on that journey so that you can discover it within yourself. Well, I think it's so important that we keep connecting for the world population, how all of these things are just so interconnected. You know, we have this like way of decompartmentalizing oh, you're that, and you're that, and you're that. We're all of it. We have access to all of it. We are all of it. We are. And that's really what the definition of oneness is. And again, going back to mindfulness and what you said earlier, I didn't want people to feel like they only had to experience this while they're on a yoga mat or a meditation pillow. Same with the mystical or the euphoric or the aha moments or the blissful moments. I didn't want people to just think that it can only be experienced in a place of worship, you know, you, you, you connect to God or whatever that God means to you when you're in a church, a temple or a mosque, what happens when you walk out the door? It's the same theory that I have about mindfulness. It doesn't have to stop just because you're sitting somewhere and then you go off and go, Oh, well, I can only experience that here. I don't believe that. No, I believe that we can access a lot more if we're open 
and open-minded and don't be closed off in the way you view life and the world and your experience and your relationship to it. It can be an amazing journey. It really can. I mean, well, quite and a, a whole lot of magical journey and a whole lot of fun. I have <laughs> yeah. more fun in just last night I was tech, uh, sharing an email with a friend and I said, Oh, I'm traveling. And I gave her the date and it was like, um, I'm coming in on 1120 and I will arrive at 1120. And I said, Oh, oh my gosh, look at the play on numbers there. And it was just this, like, that's fun to me. Well, see, just but, notice see that's so great. You're very, things. you're very intuitive because I have a whole chapter on that. And I have a whole chapter on the synchronicities yes. and things like numbers. You know, I mentioned 1111 because uh-huh. a lot of people sometimes see that on their phone and, you know, there's, there's, there's so much around us that we don't pay attention to. And even if you're someone like what you said, having fun, like, oh my God, this phone, this, these numbers keep appearing on my phone. What does that mean? Well, maybe someone wants to take a deep dive into numerology and go, oh, well, that number means that, or at least it means that to me right now in this moment, you know, and I talk about having fun with it. I talk about like, there's so much around us that we miss because Mm -hmm. we're so we've got blinders on. And that's the beauty of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Mindfulness helps you see so much more so that you can have fun with those synchronicities that come in your life, or these numbers maybe come up repeatedly, or there's, you might telepathically be thinking of somebody and then they call you later on that day. You know, what we might call supernatural or paranormal or whatever you want to call it what if that's more natural than we even understand right Right. that that you know very normal and very normal it is very normal but we've given it these labels that's why i wanted to use a word like mysticism because some people might go like oh what's that that's just so esoteric or oh that's you know and i'm like no let's take let's take the charge off of that word and maybe introduce you to really what it is in in the 21st century Right. Like someone one time said to me, you're so spiritual. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I guess, but I've always been like this. You just maybe didn't pay attention that I've always been in this way, connected to things way beyond what's right here in front of us. Right. And I, that's how I only know to live life. So I don't know any other way. And sometimes people think about people, even in the way they say that, do you know, because oh. I was at, people said that to me for as long as I can. Remember. Oh, or you're, you know, you're so spiritual and you're I, into all that. And you're into that new age, you're stuff, into that you know? stuff, <laughs> you're into that new age stuff. And I, and I'm thinking to myself, well, okay. I mean, then if you're going to judge it, mm-hmm. you know, why have we given it these labels or separate ourselves from it it's like only only oh you're spiritual and I'm not well okay I mean if you don't consider yourself spiritual that's okay too but you don't want to judge this because it's much more natural than a lot of people think it is oh totally this has been such an amazing conversation I'm so excited for your new book I cannot wait to read it I am certain it's going to be amazing Thank you. I'm excited about it too. I'm, I'm so ready to have the conversations around it and really go on that journey with people. It's going to be very exciting for us no, to be it, 
to be explorers together. Yes, because it is an aspect of ourselves that is so normal and so instinctive. We need to open it up. We need exactly. to stop denying these aspects of ourselves and open ourselves exactly. up to you, more. You just, you've, you've been wonderful and really getting right on it, you know, getting right on the pulse of that. So that's exactly right. You know, and take that journey, be open to life. Take these journeys with yourself. Yeah. Be unafraid yeah. to go deeper within yourself and find out more about who you are. I feel like it, it's just me, an I adventure. I find it very exciting personally. Yeah. You know? I mean, I find it, it's, it's like going on an adventure, like going on a vacation that you didn't plan everything. You just kind of knew you were going to go to this city or this country, and then you're going to just explore. And that's how I've always felt it. I just ask more questions and dig and let things come and laugh about how some things are just constant. And it's hilarious. It's a lot more fun and peaceful <laughs> And it is freeing, getting out it of is. the mundane of roles that I had to play or right. have to play. It's like, I don't really, you know, it's freeing to, to even look at my own role as like a mom or even a wife or a friend and know that I can live even beyond the typical definition of what those entail. I can define it and create it in any way I want. Absolutely. So well said. And, you know, to know, you know, that we really can create these moments that are pretty special for ourselves. It doesn't, yeah. we're not defined again by the roles or, you know, our identities, just know that there's so much more to discover and explore about yourself. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. Forever. It will always be exciting. Forever. Keep learning it's more ongoing. and more. It it's never an ongoing, ends. <laughs> no, it's an ongoing evolution. Totally. I know. I know. That's what's so good. So how can people um, get in touch with your stuff, your books and your, your, um, uh, your institute, like how can they find you? Cause you're amazing. Oh, thank you, Christine. Thank you so much for having me and really having such a wonderful conversation with you. They can go to oranadrich.com. That's my website. So it's always up Dated and it's got a ton okay. of stuff on it. Okay. Um, my, you can get my books on Amazon. Obviously, that's the fastest way to get the books. And that Live True, excuse me, Mindfulness and Mysticism is going to be coming out 11 11. 11. I know. <laughs> I love it. I love that you, when you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait. Yeah. For that. Yeah. Numbers. So, thank so you. Awesome. Yes. So it's so it'll be coming out 11 11. And I hope people just really take themselves on that journey. I'm inviting people to take that journey. I think they're going to discover some amazing things about themselves. So oh, I, yes. I'm excited to, I'm excited to, to, I'm excited to see what that journey is for other people Yeah, and would love for them to share that with me. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. So as we wrap up, I want to ask you our high five, just fun little five. Sure. Questions. Okay. Um, what inspires you? Oh, life truth, love. Mm, those are like all my favorites. <laughs> okay. How do you have fun? Um, laughing. So laughter has me having fun. And that means that I really let down my guard. And that means, um, oh gosh, whether it's watching something funny, cooking, I love to cook and bake. Uh -huh. Um, and, um, I just love to laugh. So really just letting my guard down. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know? awesome. What is one thing you cannot live without? 
Oh, my loved ones. Oh, that's so sweet. What does freedom mean to you? Authenticity, truth, Mm. Mm. being who I am. That word authenticity is really floating. It's like, it's like a feather floating in the air (laughs) around all of us. It really is. is. It's sort of like, that's a beautiful way to put it. There's something revealing coming out. I think in the shift that we're under with the word authenticity and absolutely for me, it just feels like a warm blanket that comes over and it, and it gives me the permission to just be. Imagine the liberating free Mm -hmm. feeling we feel we can just go, Oh, I'm just amazing. I'm being my true soul essence. And this is who I came in as, and this is really who I am. Totally. It's so exciting for me too. Okay. What are you grateful for? Oh gosh. I'm grateful for so much. Do I have to answer one word? No, I'm grateful grateful for being alive. I'm grateful for having the opportunity to discover on this life journey. I'm grateful for my loved ones. I'm grateful for every day getting an opportunity to discover more about myself, about others, and about the world. Oh, Aura, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. This is like such a delight. And like you are literally amazing. And I'm so excited for the work you're doing. It's thank so you. needed in thank our world you. today. And thank you, Christy. I, so I really appreciate Well, And I couldn't have had this conversation without you. So speaking of the dance, Mm -hmm. which I call the cosmic dance. Yeah. We were in the dance together. So thank you. It felt pretty special. Yeah. So thank you for having and holding the space for us to have this um, conversation with this type of energy. So thank you. You are welcome. Truly an honor. Um, Okay. And listeners, thank you for, for being here with us today on living the liminal This week, remember who you are and the power you have to be both student and teacher within every one of your life experiences. So take what you need from today's episode and by all means, share what you learn. You are a beautiful soul. I love you. Peace out, my friends. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you have any questions, we provide for you the show notes. You can email me at christy at christypeck.com Or if you are listening on the cool feature on the Anchor app, you can leave a voice comment or a voice question, and we'll be collecting those and using them on future shows. How fun would that be? You know, recently, a good friend of mine gave me this quote and a gift over the Christmas holidays, and it really has resonated with me, and I want it to be a part of our our great presence of the year 2021. Be bold enough to use your voice, brave enough to listen to your heart, and strong enough to live the life you've always imagined. Whatever you've taken from today's episode, share it with someone else. Share the learning that you're acquiring every single day by being more aware in your life, by being awakened in your life, by being brave enough in your life, by being bold enough in your life, and by being strong enough in your life because you really, really are. May you have a joyful week. Remember who you are and live the liminal. I love you. Peace out, my friends.